Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for October 18th, 2020. Uh, We are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Watching autumn leaves fall outside my windows here at home. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is, uh, it is amazing how quickly uh, the tides turn on that. I uh, took a drive this morning, and what had been beautiful yellow leaves just yesterday afternoon are now barren and ready for snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, overnight they just disappear. Yeah. Well, uh, they go on the ground, and then your neighbors yell at you for not raking. Right, well, yeah, <laughs> very true. Um, very, very true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it is amazing how quickly, uh, the time does pass and, uh, I'm looking here and, uh, we've got what, five more Sundays after something like that. Yeah. Six, six including six, including this, um, uh, this Sunday, um, to, um, get to the end of the lectionary year, which is. Um, I know we're, we're all egging on the end of 2020, uh, yeah. so, um, this gives hey. a foretaste of that. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, and, and, uh, for those who, who, uh, have not had the pleasure yet, uh, um, uh, of experiencing these, uh, fall, um, colors and, and, uh, beautiful weather outside during a service, we have been, uh, meeting, in the parking lot uh, at, at the church, socially distanced, masked, but uh, uh, we even had a version of Eucharist uh, this past week. Uh, so um, get it while it's not cold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come and get it. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, if if uh, if you're so inclined or so able uh, and interested, that uh, we still have plans of doing that this coming week. Yeah, uh, whether. Uh, weather hopefully will cooperate with us. Uh, yeah, continue. and the, the only reason we'll cancel is if there's uh, thunderstorms in the area. Gotcha. We, two weeks ago, we did it in pouring rain, and that was fine. Uh, yeah. But d- don't want to be electrocuted. Don't want to do a Caddyshack imitation of the bishop playing golf. <laughs> so look, you can always look on the parish website. And we'll have uh, updates if, for any reason, the service needs to be canceled. But mm-hmm. you, otherwise, you can plan on either 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock for in-person worship or 9 a.m. for the online worship that we're still offering. Yeah, uh, the online worship continues. Uh, uh, we're even um, uh, we're, we're, we're dabbling in, in as, as much uh, technological achievement as we can muster. <laughs> so uh, uh, may, maybe we might have more to announce on that uh, here in a week or so, but uh, we'll... We'll, we'll we'll see. We're 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 trying everything we can this year. <laughs> That's right. Light turning on every light bulb. <laughs> exactly. Every and, extension cord's being run. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. We're maxing out the uh, the wattage uh, at the church. You know, just at anything that we possibly can. Uh, so, um, but uh, but but uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been an interesting time for invention, invention of necessity. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, to uh, to to go back to a um, not so much an invention of necessity, but an old tried and true. I'm I've got a word of the day for you today. Woohoo! Uh, and uh, your word today, Bruce, is 
Lorica. Lorica. L O R. Oh wait, wait. Okay, start over. Okay. Your start. word of the day. <laughs> you is have to go back. Lor- what do you mean? Just start the spelling over. Oh, L O R I C A. Nope, got nothing. <laughs> Would it help if I said that it was Celtic? Huh. I take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> I just say a very weak yes. <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> does it have, okay, I just want to ask, does it have anything to do with, with speaking or voice? Uh, it does. It does. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, yes, it definitely does. So, is it a holy place where people hear God's voice? Uh, I would say it's less focused on a place. Uh, it it could be a holy place. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll just give up and let you give the definition. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the word lorica it kind of has a Celtic background and it is a prayer to be chanted specifically while dressing. Or arming for battle. No wonder I did not know this. <laughs> uh, it's also known as a breastplate prayer. It is recited for protection while one prepares for physical or spiritual battle. Uh, and the um, the hymn, the hymnal of 1982, which we use, yeah, uh, includes two Celtic loricas. St. Patrick's is, Breastplate, I know that one. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, they, they're both actually uh, uh, borrowed from um, Saint, uh, uh, language on St. Patrick's Breastplate, actually. So one is Hymn 370, and that's I Bind Unto Myself Today. Played at and, many ordinations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Hymn 488, which is Be Thou My Vision. Oh, that's a pretty one. Yeah. But, did you, yeah, I, but I did not know that, that history. Yeah, I would have never guessed that that was a uh, a a prayer chanted while dressing for battle. Yeah, um, uh, it changes a little bit when you start to read those lyrics. I was going to say, it makes the lyrics make a make a little more sense into what the original intent are were was intent was, and I'll con- I'll continue to treat it as a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it. it I, I re, so I after after finding this I reread the the, the verses of be thou my vision mm-hmm. and to me it uh, really became kind of haunting um, thinking about how this might have been prayed for many a soul that was lost uh, yeah during during battle and it was it was kind of spooky <laughs> it kind huh. of creepy kind of creeped me out. <laughs> so uh, the whole death thing, yeah. yeah. So the next time we actually hear it in church, I, I, that's I'm gonna have a different reaction. I think, uh, yeah, I bet it, I will too. It's a, uh, it's, it's a uh, go, go back for for those listening. Go back and uh, uh, read hymnal 488. Uh, Be thou my vision, and and think about how it was then prayed for um, soldiers and and people going into spiritual or physical. Warfare on behalf of spiritual thought, uh, and it 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 definitely does change change the meaning. Well, uh, we'll have to get the music department on this and get it into worship soon. There you go. <laughs> Just to watch your eyes get big. 
<laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that, that I, I found that very interesting. Uh, um, not, not too much, uh, um, not too much, uh, dictionary history, uh, relating mm-hmm. to warfare, uh, as identified on, on the Episcopal Dictionary website. Um, um, not exactly the kind of thing that we like to laud and praise. So there's right. many definitions that go down that avenue. So true. So uh, with that, um, uh, being Bruce's 900th failure at guessing... <laughs> the, no. <laughs> People must have lost a lot of money on this if they bet on me. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, the the goal is to stump you in in most instances, yeah. uh, unless I come across a word where I'm like, "Oh, that's that." We gotta talk about this, yeah. Even I, though every once in a while, I get you know, you know teenage SAT anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Another vocabulary word I don't know. That's right. Don't even think about how uh, the spiritual well well being of all your parishioners right. uh, hang on. Whether or not you get this right. Um, just tie into your own anxiety. <laughs> Selfishly sit there as a 17-year-old and wallow. <laughs> I know nothing. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole the whole point is to find some sort of word that stumps you. I'm not going to... Well, I, yeah, I, don't, and I don't like giving you softballs. You, yeah, and you've, both, you've given both you and I something to think about. This is yeah. very, very cool. Yeah. So... Uh, Speaking of giving us something to think about, let's uh, delve into our readings for this week, uh, which have been giving people things to think about for millennia. Yes. Uh, 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 what a lame transition. Um, so <laughs> the, the first reading uh, this week is from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1 through 7. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and strip kings of their robes, to open doors before him, and the gates shall not be closed. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches hidden in secret places, so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I surname you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me, so that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make weal and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Um, so this is, we're now into the second author of Isaiah in chapter 45. That's right. That's right. Okay. And um, so tell us a little, let's let's start at the beginning. Let, tell us a little bit about uh, God's anointed to Cyrus. Uh, who, who do we know, what do we know about uh, this Cyrus? What is uh, the historical context, if we have any? Yeah, we do actually. Um, there's there's strong consensus that Cyrus um, is the the real life historic figure who was the ruler of Persia and conquered Babylonia and there and in doing so uh, freed the Israelites to return to Israel from mm. their exile. 
Mm -hmm. Um, any indication that uh, the actions of Cyrus were done so motivated by um, uh, an, a religious context, or are they are they kind of going back and giving him uh, Lord anointed qualities? Like, like was was I guess I guess my question is: was the release of the Israelites from captivity a byproduct of an ongoing war and just kind of like? in a way happenstance or was it like, Oh no, I'm going to conquer these lands specifically to free the Israelites or right. Directly in, in terms of Cyrus's political philosophy was that taking people captive is very expensive and you do better to let them stay where they are or go back to where they were and then tax them so that they become pure forms of income rather Ooh. than, slaves who you have to feed, which is what the Israelites were in uh, Babylonia. Hmm. So, and, and as Persia overwhelmed the Babylonian Empire in region after region, th this was his political philosophy. Um, not just the economic part, but also the political part, that people living in their own lands make it a, they're a lot more likely to be um, reluctant to rebel than if they were in captivity being exploited. Hmm. Okay. So what Cyrus did in Babylonia for the Israelites, he did over and over as he marched around the Mediterranean. Gotcha. So it, it this wasn't, uh, there, there's no indication that Cyrus was like, oh, yes, I, you know, I had a vision of God and it said, release the Israelites from captivity of the Babylonians. Right. And, and uh, um, so in, in, in this, passage then uh kind of referring to cyrus as being uh lord uh, the god's anointed um it is kind of like a in a way uh just insinuating a little bit of of uh religious context that isn't not, may not necessarily be there i mean the, a, a, if you're the type that believes that god works through um, unknowing subjects and and uh, uh, his will is then manifested uh, through through people uh, in ways like this. Then then this would make sense. But uh, right, if you're if you're other minded, then this kind of looks like uh, uh, the author kind of <laughs> co opting uh, um, uh, the series of events here and saying like, oh no no no, this you know this was God's plan. This was. Uh, Right. Uh, there was, well, and it, there was some and communication there, here that, that, that may not really have actually existed. Where God doesn't force Cyrus to do what Cyrus does, mm -hmm. but rather knows how to pull, God knows how to influence people enough you know, appeal to people's better natures is the sort of modern term for it. Mm -hmm. So that Cyrus does say, you know, I have this idea that we should release slaves. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Mm -hmm. And in, in the Bible it gets um, written down as the Lord said to Cyrus, um, here's how you'll have victory. And it was right. through this, this way of um, sneaking through the uh, gates of um, Babylonia, the city, and or Babylon, and 
So, you know, it, it's sort of an in Isaiah holds sort of an in-between view of mm -hmm. God didn't do it, Cyrus did it, but God was really, really, really whispering in Cyrus's ear in such a way that Cyrus could hear. Right. Even though Cyrus would not have had any idea at this point who the one true God was. Right, yeah, that... that um that difference is not lost on me considering specifically the rest of the, of the, uh, of the passage is talking about how, uh, you know, there is no other, I am, you know, there is no God, but there's me. no and, one else to hear. And, and had Cyrus, uh, if you were to ask Cyrus about this passage, he'd be like, who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's kind of a, it's kind of strange, uh, that, 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 that those two, uh, uh, things exist in the same space of like, uh, oh yeah, I'll praise Cyrus. And God says there's, you know, I'm the only one, and 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 the the original subject uh, beginning the the, the passage uh, would would have very little knowledge as to the rest of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're so welcome that I release you from captivity. Who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's nice. <laughs> and, yeah, and so it it's another have one of these. Have you paid your bills? <laughs> have you paid your taxes recently? Oh, that's the gospel for this morning. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, a little, a little angel on your shoulder there, Ben. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the that here we have an Isaiah, and again, Isaiah, even second Isaiah, tends to be a, a pretty modern theology book, mm -hmm. and so here we have God explaining. I am the only God, even if no one, no one who's currently listening knows that. But mm. they might still hear what they know is a supernatural voice and not know who it is. But it's only God. Gotcha. Um, and again, this runs counter to current theology and traditions in the Middle East that gods were restricted to national borders and empires the, and certainly by this point, Persia had pretty developed religions of their own, or religion of its own. And so it's pretty strong to say in Isaiah, yeah, you know, I know my people are in captivity right now, but still, I'm the only true God. And right. I'll pat you little Persian general on the <laughs> head, and you go do what you think is what you thought of, but thank you very much for doing it for me. Right, right, right. Um, so help help me out here. Just a, there's there's some language in here that uh, uh, doesn't form fully in my brain, at least, and maybe maybe someone else is, is uh, at least like me. In verse seven, uh, when uh, the writer says, "I form light and create darkness," what is wheel? Uh, in, in the next section of the, the sentence, I make wheel and create woe. I know what woe is. What is wheel, W-E-A-L? I already did my word for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this one is not found on the Episcopal Dictionary, so I have not... What is what is wheel, and why does it, uh, you know, light and darkness, uh, uh, dichotomies from each other, you know, opposites, uh, is wheel and it's woe opposites a, as well? No, it's not an opposite. It's actually, well, I'm just double ch checking. Whoops. Hurry, hurry. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Double checking my Hebrew dictionary here. Um, and I just want to make sure I say it right. That, yeah, I'm not sure why they use the term wheel, but it's goodness and evil. Wheel and woe is, good, is righteousness and evil is a simpler way of saying the same thing. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the old, was that another Which is one? what you guessed, so you were right. Okay. You got your word of the day. There we go. See? Great. Ben one, Bruce zero. Yeah. Um, and, I, it, and it's particularly, the Hebrew word is particularly focused on a, um, that, well, the two terms are, are about really what is right and wrong. Okay. So there's that connotation of, you know, God. God is the God of right and wrong, of ethics. It's not just, uh, you know, Greek Roman God type who is this supernatural being who drinks a lot of wine and throws lightning bolts mm -hmm. for entertainment's sake. That this this God has a serious job description. And, right. Um. So take you know. So it's not just a. The one true God is not just the God that allows strong cities to be conquered. Right. Also is the God of every day what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad, what's legal and illegal. Hmm. So in some ways, it's an interesting contrast with the God who creates light and darkness. The biggie, the big picture stuff mm -hmm. also is the one who creates the ethical system each individual has to choose to live by each day or not, hmm. or not live by. Yeah, you know, I, I guess in 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 rereading these seven verses, I, I suppose there's also a potential that the author is trying to, is recognizing that maybe some people are praising and lauding Cyrus for their release for captivity, and this could also be serving as a kind of a, just steering yeah. those people towards like, oh yeah, yeah, he was a, he was anointed, you know, God was there and part of the plan, but Cyrus did nothing that God wasn't in charge of. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so this could just be trying to uh, acknowledge uh, a little bit of of uh, feelings of gratitude and relief and praise towards uh, their conqueror slash releaser from being conquered um, to redirect them back uh, towards the, the, the point that the author wants the readers to be in. Maybe maybe trying to yeah. counteract some of that. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Look beyond the short term thank you Cyrus to the eternal questions about who is the one true God. Right. Yeah, just in case, just in case people are losing their way and starting to yeah, which of course they will. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we we continue to have uh, yeah. I mean, this was hundreds of years before Christ, and there's all sorts of messing up until Christ came along, and then after Christ came along as well. No, we're perfect. Uh, the the track record after Christ and his death is just and resurrection is we're impeccable. We're above yeah. reproach. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, but, but, but yeah, very human, you know, a, a, a very a normal kind of reaction and still, still does happen. Uh, we still do praise, uh, generals and leaders and, and give, uh, some, some, a, a 
extra uh, praise uh, to to individuals as though they were um, uh, sent from God <laughs> directly, perhaps. Yeah, uh, uh, well, there's still plenty of plenty of that that goes on. Well, and what I didn't know until researching for today um, is back back in 2016 in that presidential election. Um, conservative Christians used this passage to justify their ongoing support for Donald Trump, even in light of various um, revelations about his um, clear uh, inequities. Yeah, I, th I think I remember. I think I remember actually seeing uh, uh, something along those lines of, of referencing, uh, like comparing him. Yeah, was it comparing him to Cyrus? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, Net not, net not, Israel. Netanyahu? <laughs> yeah, actually issued a coin with Trump and Cyrus's head on it. Interesting. Um, and and the point of it, in part of the point of it in the Hebrew Scriptures, is Cyrus is the only non-Israelite to be described as called by God. Hmm. And so the point for conservative Christians was God could could be calling Trump to purposes that that Trump himself would never agree to um, mm. if if asked by God but but God can God may even be choosing to use Donald Trump rather than Hillary Clinton uh, yeah for I God's mean, purposes and and I suppose we should be we sh we should be clear I mean God uh, uh, some of the old tried and true statements do hold weight of uh, and and do actually still hold their water of God working in mysterious ways and uh, uh, there's still always the possibility there there's always the 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 aspect of uh, good things coming out of uh, 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 either bad situations or uh, in uh, through unexpected means uh, and finding God in uh, any of these occurrences. Uh, um, no matter how big or small, are still is still kind of a matter of faith, and and um, it is it, it it is not to say that that uh, um, some of these situations, w when observed, God is not there, um, but I think there's a fair debate as to uh, how called uh, uh, one one might be in any circumstance, um, and whether or not. Um, because it does give kind of an ordination to, <laughs> right. to uh, an, an individual to say that they are called by God. Um, yeah, and it's one of those things that certainly the scripture shows, because there's so many false prophets and such, that it's something you humanity only really knows in long-term retrospect. Right. And so to, to use the, the example of Cyrus from the book of Isaiah in the present tense is a impossible application of the tool that, yeah you know, we'll we, only we might, know in hindsight yeah we might look at back at a leader from the year 1000 and say oh yeah that might have been another cyrus but to be you know to try to look forward and predict impossible to look back even with a handful of years impossible instead it's it's really eras that right. to look back and perhaps see uh how god was leading things along Right. Other, otherwise, we're putting ourselves on the level of God, and that's one of your your basic blasphemies. Right, exactly. And even even with a even with a millennia in in the rearview mirror, there's still a lot of subjectivity to yeah 
to that. So um, you're going to have uh, people who uh, uh, both agree and disagree with that statement, and it's because uh, we're, we're not really, we're probably not going to know. <laughs> right, right, because there's no way for us to perceive as human beings all the things that God can see in the present tense, let alone in the past. Mm-hmm. And so we really just don't have access, since we don't have every human being's biography, we can't really know who's affected what and who's affected who through the centuries. Right. And yep. so, yeah, so we can't presume just by reading the headlines of old newspapers what what it was that was really happening that affected the future. Yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten that that was, that was a... a this historical figure, that this Cyrus, I forgot that. Yeah. I, I do remember that uh, uh, occurring during the uh, election cycle, and, and I totally forgot about uh, uh, about where that occurred. Um, so very interesting. Anything, anything else about Isaiah before we go nope. to Thessalonians? I think that's about it. Well, then our second reading from the day uh, is First Thessalonians, chapter one, verse one through ten. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. Um... Obviously, you could tell from not only the way that it starts, but also the fact that I said it's chapter 1, verse (laughs) 1. This is the beginning of the letter. Um, Is this one of those letters that is uh, believed to be more of a series of letters? Or is this kind of, is 1 Thessalonians uh, more believed to be a complete work? It's generally, with the, it's generally believed to be a complete work. There's argument about uh, literally about I think it's six verses. Mm, um, okay, but that that's how this is about as genuine as you can get any scripture passage to be genuine genuineized. <laughs> there you go. Okay, in terms of everyone going, yeah, and it's the um, analyzed to be the oldest book in the New Testament. Really? Yeah. So this was written before the Gospels? All, all of Paul's letters were. Yeah. Oh, okay. All, all the authentic letters were. And this is the first of the Pauline letters. Ah, very interesting. Um, now, uh, we give credit to Paul for writing this, but there in verse 1, it kind of seems as though this is a three-author letter. Is it, it not? It does, but 
um, people who analyze the Greek much better than I ever could say Paul's the real Paul's the one who actually did the composing. Gotcha. So while this is written on behalf of three yeah. individuals, the style and the penmanship, well, not that we're, <laughs> we're, 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 not that we're analyzing the penmanship, but the, but the, the, the words written and uh, seem to be of one voice, and that, that, that voice seems to be Paul. Very much so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, and we can tell that by comparing the other letters that, that are part of this, the collection of the epistles in the Bible and seeing styles and things like that. So yeah, this is very, very Paul. Do you do you imagine that um, the same kind of thing that occurs when uh, you buy someone a birthday present uh, maybe occurred with this, <laughs> where, it's, where it's like it's really Paul and Timothy who started sat down and write this letter, and before it's done, uh, Sylvanus is like, uh, "Can you uh, can you say it's for me too?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't have time to write my own letter, we're, but we're, uh, we're if, watching TV. Can you just put our but, name on it? <laughs> can yeah, just throw my name on there and. Uh, I wish them well too. So I mean, if if we could just go in together on this letter, uh, well, that'd be great. Uh, it, it probably <laughs> comparing this with how the uh, Pauline's Paul's mission was described in the Book of Acts. There's a good possibility that um, the other two were not actually present, uh, and Paul, but Paul. But all three of them were popular, and mm -hmm. Paul didn't want to diss these other two guys who were the ones who were going to make the road trip to visit the community once again. Okay. So this, and this in no small part, is giving them the authority of Paul for when they go and visit. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, providing a united front. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as it were. Yeah, you can't um, divide us. We're all together. Right, right. Um so tell tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Thessalonica. I mean, th that's that's where this community was located, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, what stands out about uh, uh, this this uh, area, this region, this city? Uh, because the verses here kind of uh, um, insinuate a history that that we don't really get too much into, because um, th they talk about. Um, um, they're they're welcome in the region. They talk about, um, or he talks about, uh, um, uh, where was it? Something about uh, turning away from idols. Like, uh, what was it? What was it, um, the, the the story here about Thessalonica? Is it part of the Roman Empire? Oh, okay. Directly so, and yes. Okay, but it's um, part of the. It was part of the Greek Peninsula. Okay. And so it's it's not terribly far from Corinth and from mm -hmm. Philippi. Okay. And so it's part of one of Paul's various early, very earliest missionary journeys. It's a very, very Gentile culture. Gotcha. So in this letter, Paul doesn't refer at all really, if doesn't refer at all to Judaism, because that would it would be meaningless to the listeners of the letter. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, as we've been going through Paul's letters over the last couple of years, we've been aware, you know, it's been obvious there are some places where there, where Jewish converts were part of the audience. And so there's mm -hmm. a lot of referencing Jewish practices and theology. But this is kind of a clean slate. It's, 
<laughs> in Paul's mind, these are these are the godless heathen. <laughs> and, right. So it's a blank canvas that, um, both because it's his first letter and because of that dynamic, there's sort of this sense that this is the freshest Paul you're going to get in the in a in the sense of it's it's lively, it's pastoral, um, energetic, and he doesn't he doesn't have to um, pull any punches or tailor too, things too much to his audience. Besides yeah. the fact that they don't know nothing. Gotcha. So he doesn't have to toe any lines and try to. Uh, 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 does, does that lead to less uh, cyclical uh, 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 phrases in in First Thessalonians? Since he's <laughs> he no, no he it's still Paul. It's still Paul. <laughs> <laughs> he can't change. He can't change as a person entirely. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Th so that's that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting then. To then put into context, if this is the oldest letter um, um, of the uh, oldest writing of the New Testament, it, it really does show you where the focus went, um, where, where Paul's focus was after the death and resurrection of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, that he put, he would have then put a lot of effort then into really identifying new regions. Um, otherwise, he would have you know, saved and known letters to um, more regions that are maybe more 50-50% population of uh, Jewish converts and, and Gentiles or, you know, you, you would, we would have had more examples of, of uh, communities like that receiving his words as opposed to, as you pointed out, the, um, a city that was thoroughly Gentile. And, yeah. and so it really does show you where the focus and, and, and the, the effort went. Um, Right, um, and to, began his mission to really overgeneralize in the earliest um, what we now call missionary journeys of the followers of Christ, the apostles tended to go to Jewish areas, and Paul and um, Paul's circle tended to go to Gentile areas. Again, broad mm. generalization, lots of exceptions, right. and and part of that um, there's to this day speculation about. Perhaps the apostles really didn't think Paul was going to be very successful, and hmm. so and they didn't trust him certainly because he used to be a persecutor of Christians even to death, and so they you know, say yeah okay you can go to Greece we you know, that, that those are slim pickings because they're all right. Greeks you know yeah right and <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no that that absolutely yeah and so it's it's interesting to me with knowing that. To, to read Paul's words and knowing that this is the oldest piece of writing we have from him or from any Christian um, and, and just sort of getting the feel of it mm -hmm. and what he's concerned about and what he thinks, in, in a sense, what does he think is, thinks is his best case to make? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, he, he definitely swings for the fence, it seems. Yes, um, uh, which is admirable. I mean, one can, one can one can understand why he became a popular figure. Then he was, yeah, uh, he's very clearly passionate. Uh, uh, as you delve into these things, and and uh, um, and, uh, and and it's it's interesting to see how uh, he views his mission. It, it's interesting to see how the other uh, the uh, apostles of you view their mission in conjunction with his vision. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, 
it's and it's interesting just to think and you know it, it's not far-fetched for us to be able to put ourselves in these types of shoes uh too uh, just knowing how um how human beings work and how you spread a message of any any sort um it it you can kind of you can kind of envision this of, of how, yeah. how this plays out and how the the inner mechanics between the apostles probably uh, aligned in some areas and rubbed the wrong way <laughs> in others <laughs> right. um uh, so that 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 is kind of uh, kind of interesting. As far as you know, substance in this in this uh, reading, there's not too terribly much. I think because it's the it's the hello, right? It's the welcome portion of the letter, um, and just kind of acknowledging who the author is, who the recipients are. Um, but it does he he doesn't waste too much time to get into it. Um, as far as um, starting to buttress up uh, the 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 early Christians here and yep. and Thessalonica as far as uh, you know, hey look you know this message is God breathed and given to you and and uh, not only being um, transferred to you by way of word but uh, there there's power here uh, there's conviction here and he 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 doesn't do a whole bunch of. Uh, pleasantries and uh, up at the front end uh he doesn't need very much right he launches in get get going and Um, and he mentions very early um and i've never compared so maybe he always does this but i don't think so he mentions very early being persecuted i mean that his readers are victims of persecution yeah so yeah yeah yeah. so yeah so he's not doing any kind of buttering up of you know wasn't church last week great (laughs) yeah Right, 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 right. <laughs> Instead, it's yeah. You you have power, you have authority, and you have per- and you're being persecuted, and that's all of the same package. Right. Uh, Identifies them very early on as as basically. It, he doesn't use the word uh, shining example, but he does use the word example. Yeah. Uh, uh, to the region. I mean, yeah. He's he's basically saying, hey, uh, you're you're the one everyone's looking at. You're the everyone. You're the ones everyone's looking to for direction, uh, for guidance, for uh, to, to to serve as an example to the to the rest of the uh, of the early church community in that region. Yeah. Um. Uh, of, and Macedonia is not a small region. Uh, I'm not as familiar with Achaia, but uh, um, Macedonia it, was pretty pretty large. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he's basically saying, look, the the entire northern peninsula where you are located. You are responsible for being faithful Christians, so that others can learn from how you live, and yep. be in, and be inspired by it. And again, throughout history, we know people are awfully good at not being good examples to God. And mm-hmm. so, so to me, it's really reassuring and challenging to find this in the opening verses of Paul's opening letter. Yeah. Um, he also doesn't waste very much time. Uh, he gets into it by verse 10. Uh, it seems kind of like a throwaway line, but it does. Uh, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, um, to wait and to wait for his son from heaven, uh, seems to be, uh, that, that early indication that, uh, um, one of the underlying things of his early ministry was still a belief that the second coming was imminent. Right. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it, uh, 
doesn't doesn't take but ten verses to get to to yep. at least a line referencing that belief uh, as well, which is which is also interesting because, like I said, we've we've talked about it a lot on the podcast before, and it will come up again in in this letter. I presume I'm we'll get sure. another chance at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But the but yeah, still still what an what an interesting. What an interesting part of the equation, uh, then, uh, because that that also kind of explains a little bit of the sense of urgency. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. If, yeah. If that's if that's the the if your, it's the any time now. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which you know, it's, as it for for us today, while we may not as Episcopalians think the second coming is tomorrow, we also are aware that any one of us could die tomorrow from semi natural causes or whatever, and mm-hmm. therefore. We should treat each day as our last chance to minister in the name of right. Christ. Right, right, right. Yeah, you never, you, you never know when you're not going to have an opportunity uh, yeah. again, whether that's you personally or whether that that opportunity is with another individual. Yeah. Um. Uh. You just yeah. Um. Which is why I, I've never liked uh, the phrase "live like no one is live your life like no one is watching." <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great fictions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it gives you the wrong concept. Uh, <laughs> anything, anything about uh, uh, anything more about uh, the beginning part of Thessalonians? Just, I'm sure he really delves into it later. So yeah, uh, I'm um, sure we'll. I just want to be explicit because I don't know if I was enough that this is not the first time the community is hearing from Paul. He and the other two have spent time with them already. So okay, you know, part a major part of Paul's practice was to spend significant time with the community to help the new churches start and then write the letters to um, help them further develop or correct them. So, gotcha. um, you know, this is not a blog post that was thrown out into ether and the Thessalonians say, oh yeah, we'll do this. Instead, it, it Paul knows this group very, very well. Right. And that, I think to this day, uh, that's the key to successful evangelism. Right. So, the, so as as far as the timeline goes, this is this is he, he has already visited them. This is the follow up to his uh, extended visit stay uh, um, uh, establishment of the church there. Uh, but yeah. This is also pre captivity for Paul. Right. This right. He's not a, been arrested yet. This is not one of the prison letters. Right. So, um, yeah. So so it, it, one one wonders then where uh, where this letter finds Paul as he's writing it. Um, is he in Corinth? Is he uh, in Philippi? Is he uh, all the way back home and, and preparing for another journey? Um, that, those kind of things would be kind of interesting to see uh, to, to help identify where his mindset is. Uh, is he writing this in preparation of developing material for for his next extended stay slash uh inst- installation of a of a church in a region or um or, or what um yeah we comparing it with the book of acts and they don't paul's letters and the book of acts don't always line up but it looks mm-hmm. like he was still on the greek peninsula okay. and um you know, had been had made at least a couple trips probably um to visit this community and had sent Timothy and uh, Silas and, um, but he, he's not far away. But you know, with transportation, what it is he's too far to come visit. So he's writing this letter, hmm. and he's doing important work in another city. Yeah, yeah. Probably Corinth. Okay, okay. 
Well, let's move on since uh, I've yammered on uh, <laughs> for Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him, him being Jesus, in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show no deference to no one and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a Daenerys. The, Daenerys, I said it wrong. Daenerys. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and give to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Um, just as a clarification, I said Daenerys. That's from Game of Thrones. Daenerys <laughs> is... <laughs> Did not know that. Okay. <laughs> uh, Daenerys is, is, a, is a, a coin. Is that, the, is, is that the one that's a day's wage? I, I kind of forget. I think um, I think so. Okay, so very common uh, day laborers would have w would have these. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so so explain to me real quick, or explain to us real quick, what the dilemma is here, because uh, the story is so well known that I think we kind of lose sight as to what the entrapment is, uh, because of course the answer is. Give, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give uh, render to God what is God's. Um, uh, which is, I forget which gospel translation that one is, because this is a story that occurs in several. Well, two. Uh, two? Is it just two? Yeah, okay. just Matthew and Luke. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think we kind of forget what the what the trap here is. What is, what is the trap? Well, the what they were hoping he would say is either oh yeah you got you you got to pay your taxes to the romans which would then um discredit him with his followers mm -hmm. or he would say oh never ever pay taxes to the romans which would give the romans an even faster reason to crucify him mm -hmm. so it was in the way they thought they'd gotten the, the Herodians particularly thought that they had gotten Jesus to answer the perfect question to finish his ministry. Right. This is they, they thought this was a lose-lose scenario. Right. And instead he comes up with this, um, what they probably thought was a non-answer. But really, it's, it, it's just so Jesus. Where he shifts the answer to us. To the to his listeners, mm -hmm. of we have to decide what is due to what what is due to Caesar, what do we owe Caesar, and what do we owe God? Mm -hmm. And the quick answer to that is we owe everything to God. So without saying it in a way that was um, illegal, mm -hmm. he said it. It, it, yeah. it's like a living it's, it's one of the few not one of the few times so it's one of those times where Jesus speaks a parable 
in regards to a real life situation and occurrence. Right. Because it, again, it's one of those things of, oh, okay, we, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, it, it, right. it, it's one of those brain twisters. Yeah, I, I think one, and one of the other factors, if I'm not mistaken, is the emperor, the Roman emperor, was, did have deity qualities. Right. Kind of, uh, as part of the package, right? So, so part of the question, part of the question was also saying, like, do you, rec which god do you recognize? And and follow the 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 god of Rome, which is who is like uh, the emperor, uh, even though those those words aren't quite quite applicable. But um, um, or do you follow you know the, the the god of the Israelites, the god of uh, of Judaism? Uh, you know, in order to pick a side, you're shunning the other side, is what they thought yeah. they were getting him at. Yeah. Um, and and part of the little um, forte for foreshadowing of what's going to unfold in this conversation is the coin that's described. Um, it says on it that um, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Mm. So you have the son of God being asked about Caesar, who has described himself on that coin. As the son of God. Gotcha. So it's it's beautifully poetic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the Herodians too, because I think I think one can make a real quick uh, snap judgment and say, okay, Herod, Herodians, people who are connected to Herod in some way, but how? Like, what is this a? Is this a a group of of uh, bureaucratic overseers? Is the, are these are these uh, do they do they have like religious? Is there a religious connotation to the Herodians? Like what 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 are they as a group? As a people? As a body? They they are the um, people from mostly economically privileged walks of life who supported King Herod who who the vast majority of the population rec did not recognize as a legitimate king, but instead as a Roman figurehead who was, in fact, put in power by the Romans. So the, the Herodians were those who were riding the fake king's coattails. Okay, so this was the upper crust of society, the, the, the bourgeoisie of the time, as it were? Yeah, though... I'm, uh, I'm hesitating to say this, um, so I just shouldn't. <laughs> picture whatever dictator you want to picture mm -hmm. and how often they surround themselves with really inadequate people so that their own authority is never challenged. Uh, okay, and, yeah. I and those you. inadequate people reap the rewards, the economic rewards of being part of the inner circles of the dictator. Got it. Okay. So when you picture Herodians, you can picture sort of bumblers and um, fools and yet extremely dangerous. Right. Because they literally can call an army out on you. Right, right, right. Because of their, yeah, proximity to they're so close the to authority. Yeah. Right. And have a lot to lose. Uh, yeah, by, yeah. You they know. definitely have a lot to lose if the Romans are chased out. 
Right. So one of the other, con- you know, subcontext here is is th- there was always kind of a threat or worry of rebellion, uh, but I, quite yeah. frankly, by both sides, right? I the, mean, the rebellion against the Romans had already started. So yes. Oh, okay. So this this was ongoing. Okay. So this was so one of the factors is whether or not uh, this this man, uh, the Son of God, uh, Jesus Christ, aligns himself with the open rebellion, right? Against the establishment or not, um, and 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 not to not to understate, I, I think the the average citizen uh, too might have also been a little leery of um, the open rebellion because uh, of how per- perceivedly uh, easy the, the the rebellion could be squashed and the Roman army could come in and and uh, you know. Alter existence for all of them, uh, which uh, is what ended up happening. Uh, what thirty-five years later, right, or less than that, even from this point, right? Yeah, less than that from here. Yeah, um, that, that the civilians got caught in the middle, and it was, you know, their villages were burned. The Jerusalem itself was destroyed. Yeah, yeah so the temple was was burnt to the ground, and yeah, rocks, everything pulled apart. Yeah, so so even people who certainly believed Herod was a puppet. And was um, an inappropriate king, to put it nicely. And and those same people who didn't like Rome, that did not mean they favored armed rebellion because it was something that would kill them and their children. Yeah. Yeah, so um, in a way, uh, this story depicts a a close call. uh, Yeah. uh, Where um, miraculously nothing happened, in a way. You know, yeah, and 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 yet and yet uh, a a mindset and a philosophy a, a question was then posed to the individual that they had to go and mull over. Um, well, and the the and again, this is a part of the Gospel of Matthew that's taking place in what we now call Holy Week. So, mm-hmm. so Jesus is only a couple days away from death, right? Um, but there's at least in the Gospels. There's a tone set that one of the reasons Jesus was arrested that week was because there was so much turmoil in the both the residential population of Jerusalem and the many pilgrims that were arriving from around Israel for the Passover feast that any agitator was going to be crucified. And many were, um, and, and Jesus was one of them. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, anything else about this one? This one's a little bit well, pretty well known. Anything? There's one interesting thing that when when comparing this with the Luke one, where um, in this one we talked about the Herodians, and in Matthew it says the Pharisees as well were part of this. What do we ask him? In you mean you mean in in Mark? Mark? You mean Ma- Matthew? This the one is, we just read? Yeah. Yeah, in here... Oh, the Pharisees. Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed it. In verse 15. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. Whereas in um, Mark, Mark and Luke... Actually, it does occur in Mark, too. I, I missed that before. Um, they talk about the high priests and, and scribes right. rather, rather than the Pharisees. And those... The, just a reminder, the high priests and scribes were um, rivals with the Pharisees because the high priests and scribes, like the Herodians, had sold out to the Romans to keep to get jobs in the temple. 
whereas the right. Pharisees refused to sell out and therefore did not have nearly the power or riches as the scribes and chief priests and scribes and chief priests had a lot more to lose if, as you were saying, Jesus suddenly turned into a uh, leader of successful rebellion. Right, right. Interesting, and, and yeah, because the the authors of those of these gospels also do have, as we've talked before, uh, um, points of view that they want yeah. to get across. And uh, Matthew did not like the Pharisees, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, so they they appear in lots of these in instances, uh, uh, whether correctly or not. Uh, they're there uh, as far as like uh, instigators and uh, well, uh, and part people on the wrong side of the story. Part of that is that with Matthew and Gospel of John, by the time the Gospels are written down, th these these groups no longer exist because the temple right. has been destroyed and Judaism has scattered. And so it's down to rabbis and scholars. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there are mute arguments and they within each Gospel, the Pharisees take a different sort of Greek chorus role of bringing up themes that the, like the that. that particular gospel wants to emphasize. I like that. I like the uh, I like the, the the Greek chorus uh, reference. That's a that's a good way to to, to kind of uh, identify it. That's that's exactly what they're what they yeah are. That's yeah exactly the role they play in these uh, in these uh, gospel readings. Yeah, so it's another place where it's not historically accurate, but it's absolutely full of truth. Gotcha. Very good. Um, uh, much like a, much like a sermon of yours. No, <laughs> Hopefully it gets at least one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that dig, uh, we'll end, <laughs> we'll end this, your podcast, uh, for October 18th, 2020. Uh, uh, as mentioned at, at the top of the broadcast, uh, um, we have lots of ways to engage. So please go to our channel, uh, our, our YouTube page, uh, HFEC videos on YouTube. Uh, uh, go to our website at hfec.org. See what all is going on uh, at the parish, and uh, uh, lots of different ways to connect. Uh, lots of different opportunities. Uh, even during uh, periods of time where uh, we can't uh, have difficulty meeting in person, so uh, please check those out and uh, see if, uh, see what what might be coming up that might be right for you and and uh, how to get involved uh, in in some of these different uh, different things. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we sign off? I did my plugs at the beginning. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, until next week, uh, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you then. Bye bye. Bye.